Gosh Pods, paediatric educational podcast series from Great Ormond Street Hospital. Gosh Pods are brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. So welcome back to our Great Ormond Street educational podcast series. My name is Sarah Warayich and we're joined today by Dr. Prabhaka and we're going to talk about migraines. Welcome back. Thank you. So migraine, to begin with, is a brain condition um, and it's a brain condition and it also has got a strong genetic component to it. So we know that uh, when we look at migraine uh, in the population, at least about 60-70% of the time you will have a first degree relative affected by migraine in the family. And if you took a really good history, uh, that will go up to about 90-95%. Um, so there is a very strong genetic correlate um, it is, and we know that it happens in families. So if it if it's a strong genetic correlate then uh, within the same families not every sibling will actually get migraine so uh, which tells us something about how those tendencies the migraine tendencies are expressed. So there are other factors and it might be whether hormonal or environmental which actually plays a part in how the migraine is actually expressed. So whenever we talk about migraine, everyone says it's a bad headache, but actually migraine is more than a headache. So uh, migraine sufferers uh, will very much relate to this, that actually there is a prodrome. So migraineurs, can st- some of them can actually start um, um, telling you that they actually can predict a migraine coming on uh, sometimes 24, 48 hours beforehand. So there is a prodrome or a build-up and some people get a little bit um, moody, they can go off their food um, and sometimes uh, they they can um, also start to feel a bit more tired and all of this in a build-up to an attack. And the attack itself um, has uh, got the headache phase, but just before the headache, you also got what is called the aura, or just the warning. And uh, migraine aura can be of different types, and and they also uh, have either positive or negative um, influences. So, for example, the most common aura is the visual aura. Um, So within that visual aura you can actually have either positive phenomena like your flashing lights uh, or your negative aura. For example, some people just lose uh, sight completely for a few bits of time or you can just get scotomas uh, or areas of blobs where they actually can't be able to see. You can also, one of the other auras you get vision is actually the black and white dots um, you can see, like for example in the old television screen. So that's again a type of aura. So that's visual aura. You can get sensory aura and again you can get tingling or numbness, um, both positive and negative. You can get auditory, so you can get ringing in the ears or you can just uh, feel that you can't hear things properly. and there is a very special aura which is, involves the motor cortex. It's called the motor aura, um, where you can just have complete weakness 
onto one side of the body. And this is a very special uh, type of migraine and it's, it's called hemiplegic migraine. So uh, it's classed as a separate type of entity when it involves a motor aura. And then, of course, then you have, uh, have uh, sometimes it's also the brainstem can be involved in aura and you have uh, um, symptoms like, for example, decreased consciousness, dysarthria, all of this can be a brainstem aura. You, have, you can also have vestibular symptoms and that could involve things like spinning uh, and vertigo can be very powerful uh, as, a, as a vestibular aura. And then you actually have the headache attack itself, um, uh, which can last a few hours to many days, uh, up to three days if it is a migraine. Um, and anything longer than three days uh, is termed as a status migranosis. Um, and of course, once the headache uh, part ends, and during that time, you have both light sensitivity, photophobia, sound sensitivity, phonophobia, sometimes smells, osmophobia. And then you also have um, movement sensitivity. Whenever you try and move, you feel absolutely awful. The headache actually gets even worse. During migraine attacks, you are expected to have the headaches for from four hours to three days. In children, it can actually be shorter. The attacks can, uh, the headache attack can be two hours sometimes. And also, the headache in the adult world, it is almost always unilateral. It's a unilateral headache in the adult world. But in children, it's almost always bilateral. So it's a bilateral headache. Um, and the nature of the headache is actually what we call pounding or, or throbbing headache. So you have a bilateral throbbing headache with photophobia, phonophobia, and movement sensitivity. And of course, the other last kick in the teeth is really your nausea and vomiting. So this is actually the criteria how you diagnose migraine. Um, so you have the, uh, the location of the headache, which is, uh, as I said, in children, it's bilateral, throbbing in nature, with movement sensitivity, with photophobia, phonophobia, and with uh, nausea, vomiting. And of course, if you have aura beforehand, then you would be classed as someone having migraine with aura. And in fact, migraine with aura happens in one day about one in 10 of the migraineurs. Um, and the most common aura, as I said, is actually the visual aura. And of course, if you don't have aura, which is the majority of the population, then you, you are classed as someone with migraine without aura. Now, when we're talking about the, the, the migraine, we are talking about what we call episodic migraine. So these are conditions which actually come and go. Now, if you had frequent migraine, you could end up in a situation where you are having headaches more than 15 days in a month. So you can easily count that if the criteria is that you can have headache for up to three days with one attack of migraine, then all you need is probably about four 
or five migraine attacks and you've already ended up with about 15 days of headaches in a month. And if you then had that happen three months in a row, then you would be classed as someone with chronic migraine. Um, so that's the criteria uh, to diagnose chronic migraine. So chronic migraine will be someone with more than 15 days of headache, three months in a row, but the phenotype of their headache is actually one of migraine. And then they are classed as uh, someone with chronic migraine, and it can be with or without order. So in terms of diagnosis for a migraine, is that is it entirely on history and examination? Or are there any investigations that might help you make the diagnosis? Uh, you're absolutely right. I think it is entirely based on history with a normal examination. Um, and uh, in the previous podcast, we've mentioned the fact that uh, in terms of one of the caveats about diagnosing primary headache disorders, including migraine, is actually you have needed to have adequately excluded a, a secondary headache disorder and the examination needs to be uh, normal. So once you've made a positive diagnosis of migraine, there is no investigation that is needed. Okay. And how do we then approach the management of migraines? So management of migraine is what we call multimodal management. You put the child and the family in the centre and then you have to address issues with school and then psychology um, and looking at lifestyle. So, for example, let's just take one at a time. So lifestyle, a regular lifestyle uh, um, pattern is important. So regular wake up time, regular sleep time, regular meal time, uh, regular hydration and regular activity. So some people can become so sedentary. So I think making things uh, regular is important. And uh, the way I explain to patients is actually migraine brain doesn't recognize your weekends or your bank holidays or your um, summer holidays. So keeping things on an even keel right through is very, very important. Sleep can be very, very uh, problematic in some migraineurs. And because we know that uh, by looking at the pathophysiology of how migraine happens, um, sleep uh, can also be affected. So having a good sleep routine uh, is also quite important. There are some myths about food triggers. Um, the good evidence is only for two things. One is alcohol, so hope your patients don't uh, indulge in them. Uh, and then the second bit is about uh, caffeine. So all the rest uh, about your citrus, caffeine and chocolates, there are no good evidence that actually they, they, they consistently trigger migraine. Um, activity and uh, whether it is sport or other type of uh, activity, but actually having regular is very important. One of the criteria for migraine is actually movement sensitivity, where the headaches can actually worsen with movement. So a lot of the teenagers and young people would actually restrict what they do, and sometimes they actually give up their sports and things, So and they become very sedentary. So treating it and giving the appropriate advice and making sure they continue to do some kind of activity is very important. There is some good evidence that uh, using psychological techniques, including CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, can be helpful. So nowadays, 
things like mindfulness, uh, relaxation, uh, all of that can have a positive impact in terms of management of um, migraine. There is also a huge um, uh, area looking at uh, nutraceuticals. These are kind of naturally uh, occurring compounds, whether it is vitamins, for example, uh, riboflavin, vitamin B2, uh, has been shown to be a good um, um, prophylactic. So has been coenzyme Q10 in some studies. Um, and there are some herbal uh, remedies people use uh, for uh, migraine. Um, we just caution that some of these can have side effects in terms of liver being affected. Um, so you just need to be aware um, um, of these uh, compounds. There is also neuromodulation, and that includes acupuncture. So there is now some good evidence um, that if you use acupuncture 10 sessions, that's actually recommended treatment for migraine. In terms of uh, medical prophylactics, um, um, the, the, the latest uh, research is the uh, CHAM study, which actually uh, was looking at both anotriptyline um, and uh, topiramate and showed that it actually both of them were uh, ineffective or as effective as a placebo. Uh, unfortunately, I think the good evidence still is that uh, for propranolol and um, topiramate as both as prophylactics. Uh, Pisotifen in the Cochrane review was not shown to be uh, effective as a migraine preventive. Other medications that are used, um, again, off-license or they're not available in the UK include fronazine, a calcium channel uh, agonist, which is the, one of the widely used medication for migraine prevention in the whole world. Um, and that can uh, also be used in, in specialist centers. Um, in adults, other medications that are used for migraine prevention include things like candisartan, um, for example. So there are a number of uh, um, medications that are available for, for preventives, but some of these will need to be uh, under the supervision uh, under a specialist clinic. Um, but I think doing the basics right in terms of getting the lifestyle, understanding what the condition is all about, and educating uh, and making the uh, young person taking some responsibility for the management of their condition is key to a successful management of migraine. And in terms of prognosis, is this a lifelong condition? So I think one of the key uh, things is to make sure that what we're doing is not curing migraine because, because there is a strong genetic basis of this. Again, I um, say to my patients that, uh, look, you have a condition which is which is genetic. You got your genes from your parents. I can't give you new parents. I can't give you new genes either. So you, you got this condition. And the natural history of the condition is actually it uh, can become very troublesome at certain points in your life. And usually during puberty, when there are hormonal influences, you get uh, more migraine. And then it kind of dies down a little bit. And then perhaps into your late 40s, early 50s, um, it can actually play up again. So that's the natural history of the condition. So yes, in childhood, it can play up, 
but you would expect in the majority for these uh, to start to get a bit better in terms of the frequency of the attacks. And in terms of approaching a migraine with an aura or one without an aura, is there any difference? So, uh, in terms it, of management, in, or in terms of management, I think uh, there is a you know if you have aura, it's, it's sometimes in a in a good way because you actually have some adequate time to uh, access your acute medication, which is usually your paracetamol, ibuprofen, and triptans, and so you get some warning of uh, taking those medications. And uh, again, in terms of those medications, it's very important to stick to the two-day rule so that you don't end up with a medication overuse, i.e. not use any of the painkillers for more than two days a, a week. And again, important not to use any opioid-converting compounds, otherwise you end up with medication overuse headaches. So in aura, the only thing uh, uh, is that if you have migraine with aura in women, uh, avoid the combined uh, pill um, and for both women and men uh, avoid smoking because it just uh, doubles or even so quadruples the risk of stroke. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we conclude this podcast? I think migraine uh, is common. Uh, the key to uh, is to make a positive diagnosis Look at the criteria. Use the international classific uh, uh, classification of headache disorders um, criteria, which is a migraine is a, to from four hours to three days. In children, it can be a bit shorter. It's a usually bilateral throbbing in nature. You have photophobia, phonophobia, sometimes osmophobia, movement sensitivity, nausea, vomiting. That's all you need to make a diagnosis with a normal examination, and then empowering the patient to learn a little bit more about migraine and do the multimodal management uh, in terms of involving both psychology, looking at triggers, avoiding them, and looking at the acute management and the preventive. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Gosh Pods. If you would like more information on courses and educational opportunities offered by Gosh Learning Academy, please visit the website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy or follow us on Twitter at Gosh Learn Acad.